I got addicted to the Maya. You know, mm-hmm. it's an addiction I have. I've been there probably a hundred times. And this is what's so great. Two hours from Houston, everything you've ever been taught by the white man turns into rubbish. You can go to <laughs> Ushmal and Palenque, and you can realize that uh, that everything a white man's ever taught you turns into utter nonsense. And if you look at Teotihuacan, I mean, people get all caught up in Tulum and uh, post-classic periods, you know, which I don't think much of. But Belize and Guatemala are those two bases. So if you really believe what history is telling you, go to go to the Yucatan. I saw Cancun when it didn't have a paved road. There was Cancun and Cozumel and all those places. There was nothing but fishing villages when I first saw Tulum, and it was covered in weeds. And I rode buses with chickens and uh, little tiny short Mayan. You know, no, I've never seen a Mayan over 5'2". And I traveled all through that, that period. So I think that if people really want to be smart and they want to understand the cyclic natures of their spirituality, nobody, nobody is smarter in the Western Hemisphere than the the Maya, and maybe just a touch of of the Almecs. It's always been amazing to me, uh, Will and Mark, how two completely separate cultures evolved and if you look at the Almecs, you see that they have stone, 70-ton stone carvings of all five races, uh, white, Caucasian, Chinese, Negroid, Native nations. They have all these nation, all these places done, and they have knowledge of it. And I'll tell you something that's really funny, because you have to look at, to try to understand, uh, you can go to uh, Ushmal, and you can look at the structure of Ushmal and how it's been named and what it looks like. And then you can go to Kashmir in India. And there is a place identical to Ushmal, I mean, identical to Ushmal in just below uh, Kashmir in India. And they speak an ancient dialect of Maya. So where was the original knowledge of the cyclic nature of reality? Where did they come from? And how did it come from to the Americas and also go to India at the same time? This is when you start to really get a grip on there's more to it than what some white people brought over here to the Americas long before they were, long before the the Pope got into the game. <laughs> uh, you mentioned a couple of dates uh, while you take a breather. Um, 2017, around Passover time, lines up perfectly with Daniel's timeline, and uh, people can uh, can watch the Daniel's timeline video on uh, YouTube. And in 2008, in the fall, that was the end of a 2,730-year decree that Ezekiel um, uh, pronounced against the northern kingdom of Israel, which is descendants of northern europe and all over the rest of the world but but they um um uh, that was interesting because the 
that that uh, those two dates uh, were really really key uh, dates and things that are going on here recently. Um, and you mentioned but just um, look, just look what what happened to look at where the European Union is. So the so-called rise of the the Antichrist, the right. you know the member nations being rebirthed, and what the British. You know, this is, people don't really stop to realize that you have the District of Columbia, you have the uh, the City of London, and you have the Vatican. Every one of them has an obelisk. Every one of right. them are, are cities within the cities. And one of the banking systems of the entire globalization of the Kazan uh, structure has now pulled out London's people, the, the everyday people. You know, they see they're being messed with, and they see they're being dictated by the creation of this world government. And when you look at what's happening, the only thing you better watch next is Germany. I would yeah. say that Germany was Germany is in more trouble today, and you watch Deutsche Bank. If I look at how the Mayans, <laughs> how the Mayan cycles would operate, knowing that we go from this last this last so all that has to collapse so what's happening in Europe today fits perfect in the Mayan cycle in the 24,920 year end from the solar system moving from the outer edge to the galactic sun of the middle which takes 24,920 years we would stay there 400 days before we start back to our normal place in the solar system and when you see this, that's everybody has to stop and realize the world didn't come to an end December 21st, 2012. <laughs> a cycle ended. Well, it's also a 2012, going from 2012 to 2032 is going to be a Katun cycle. So the... And well, I won't Katun, make it to that one. I won't make it to 2032, but, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'll be somewhere paying attention, but I won't be here. <laughs> well, we're in, we're, we're in it. That's the time. If you look at the their prophetic things about that Katun, they basically say from some of the traditions during this Katun cycle, they say it will be the time uh, where everything literally just falls apart. It's already done that. So yeah, but yeah, they also that. they also bring in another aspect to it that I don't know exactly when, but they also say it will be a a time of well, from the Catholic or Christian Catholic or whatever point of view, maybe even somewhat the native point of view, they say it will uh, be the judgment or in Hopi context the purification. So we have a very good chance of having that occur during this Katun cycle? I have no doubt. There is no doubt in me. People who know me and know who I am know that the uh, what's called the boxes of knowledge since 1975, I missed mm -hmm. some of the dates because nothing's carved in stone, but I haven't missed anything else from from the collapse of the Soviet Union, Chernobyl, Fukushima. I wrote it in the Saved by the Light, Chapter 5 in Saved by the Light. I went through this big issue called the environmental religion. 
and I never could quite figure out from 1975 how you could have an environmental religion when the when the greatest nature of the rise of the Catholic Church was to put down paganism was those who those of us who worship the earth as a living being and we believe that the atmosphere and the sun is all a part of a creative process. I didn't believe that before 1975. But when you stop and you realize, I was describing uh, climate change or global warming. And I wrote this in 1975. I wrote 1976. took me like a... And I was dead for 28 minutes, completely paralyzed for six days, partially paralyzed for seven months. And it took two years to learn to walk and feed myself. So it was probably into two, into 1976 when I wrote them down. And then it was in 1992 and three when I wrote Saved by the Light. <clears throat> and if you look at those, you see, like you were talking about insight and perspective. And I live in both worlds. I'm a hospice volunteer. I've been a hospice volunteer for 39 years. And by that nature, because I I like to be around people who are in transition because I know where they're going. And I have a really good connection to the other world, to that dimension. So I'm very comfortable with the fact that that we make these transitions from both sides and I can cross to that side. I have more quote unquote dead friends than I have living friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah. That's not, All right, so let me ask surprising. you a question. Well let me ask you a question. What inspired you and then and Mark to bring this show on the air? What was the impetus impetus for you guys to bring this this type of show on the air? Well, it kind of goes back to um, uh, experiences I started having back in the mid-'80s when um, I didn't know that it was Mad Bear Anderson at the time, didn't know until '96. but he appeared to me in a dream, and he said, well, when are you going to do something about, and he mentioned my Cherokee, I knew who my Cherokee great, uh, fifth-great-grandfather was. He says, when are you going to do something about his genealogy? And then over a period of time, um, um, a certain book, uh, in Salt Lake City, led me to uh, uh, an author who inter- introduced me to Rolling Thunder and, and Thomas Bunyakia, and and then um, uh, my first wife passed away in '95, and she told me uh, she was very prophetic, prophetic all her life. But she said, "You're," I said, "Well, you know, what can you tell me about my work?" She says, "You haven't even started your own work," and she said, "Your work's with your own people." And uh, with being um, out west, I didn't have much contact. Um, so um, uh, I um, I got into graduate school in, in my 40s, late 40s, and things didn't work out. Um, the, well, they worked out the way they were supposed to, but I ended up um, uh, uh, moving my uh, my family. Uh, I married my first wife's best friend and. And uh, we moved back to uh, Missouri, and there I met a lot of traditionalist Cherokees, one of whom was John uh, uh, Red Hat Duke. He was a um, uh, bird colonel in the Air Force, and he was a traditional Cherokee elder in both the Cherokee Nation of uh, uh, Oklahoma and the United Katua Band. And he and I kind of hatched this thing, and um, uh, just kind of grew up slowly, and, and then... Um, uh, your good friend Robert Ghostwolf and I um, uh, got quite involved uh, back in uh, about 2003, 
and um, produced all oh, him and I. Oh, I loved him. I know. I he, loved he shared, him. Yeah, he he told me. <laughs> he told me about your early morning uh, uh, conversations, and uh, but he um, and it's really interesting when he uh, when he passed away. Uh, uh, about uh, ten days after he passed away, my wife woke up early one morning, and I heard her gasp and like she always did when she had a dream. And I said, "Okay, what'd you see, Betty?" And she says, "She said I saw a wolf." And, uh, yeah, well, what else? And I, I didn't, you know, prompt her. I, I said, you see anybody else? And, yeah, Rolling Thunder. And she says, and I saw that, that chief that was frozen in the snow. I said, honey, I said, you just described three ghost dance chiefs. And uh, because Wolf had run a ghost dance in 98, and uh, Rolling Thunder um, um, had actually run one or two, but he had, he had banned um, at least the, the version, the militarized version of the, of the ghost dance were where Indians prayed for the death of whites because uh, there was a group of mixed I didn't bloods. Bl- that, I don't blame them. Uh, I would have yeah, been he, praying for the death of whites myself. Well, he, uh, <laughs> he, uh, the, these these guys were mixed bloods, and they're, they were uh, doing the militarized version of the a ghost dance, and an airplane crashed right on them. So, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> um, it just, it just kind of grew from there, and... Um, um, she was, and it it was really painful because I I had uh, uh, basically um, uh, was disabled by central sleep apnea, which is probably one of the I, doctor told me in '94 when he did my sleep test. He says you wake yourself up a hundred times a night, and no, an hour. Wow. Me. And um, it was probably what a creator designed, you know. So because I have dreams and visions too, and but. Um, I guess my big awakening was in in uh, '98, spring solstice, which I later found out was the beginning of a a, um, a nine-week cycle. I was told um, uh, in a dream. I uh, was told in the future, the year 2005 will be known as the year of the great havoc, because um, uh, many or most computers in the planet may shut down because the weather will become so bad. And wake up and write that down. So I did, and um, uh, after I started this program, one of the first person I interviewed was a uh, an Orthodox rabbi in Jerusalem, and those guys really take prophecy seriously. And um, I interviewed him. Well, he landed in Houston the day Katrina hit, and um, he was there for a, 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 a Noah, the Sons of Noah convention. And in November, he sent me a link to... Um, uh, a, a Toronto newspaper uh, where a UN climatologist had said that, that that 2005 was the hottest year on record and was a year of weather havoc. And um, he said, as far as he knew, that was the most detailed fulfillment of prophecy in 2,600 years. Actually, later on when I, I reminded him of saying that, he says, did I say that? Because it doesn't sound like something I'd say, you know. And, you know, people say things when they're under the influence of spirit, so I just, you know, I just uh, um, kind of dragged this thing along, um, uh, have done it without any income. I personally haven't had any personal income in seven years. I have had to you know, completely um, um, uh, rely on others and the spirit to keep this thing going. And it seems to be lurching along pretty well. <laughs> well, I'm really proud because, I mean, when you look at, we look at when people do radio shows. It always interests me 
what motivates people to in this particular time period. I am a I'm a lover of the Maya, and I can remember conversations with Robert, him calling me at 3 o'clock in the morning, sitting at the computer, so we would have, you know, it got to be where 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning got to be the time we would talk. And he was he was so wonderful a guy. And let me ask you this, Will. When you look at the Cherokee, the Cherokee I mean, and the Trail of Tears, the, the genealogy of the Cherokee could have become so diluted because... There is the uh, the Yamasee, the uh, in South Carolina you have the you have some Choctaw, you have the Cumbee, you have the Yamasee, you have a few Iroquois, but they were you know that's more than northern. But when you you had the Cherokee that connected to what was called the Edistos, you know all along there's like eleven different. Uh, tribes and like four of them are recognized. So how would you do a genealogy based on the Trail of Tears to come to the place where you could see ancient Cherokee prophecy? We all know Hopi prophecy like the day of destruction was when the sun would be on the light switch on the click on the wall. I mean I know a lot of the Hopi but how would you do a genealogy on the the Cherokee with such a I mean such a destructive force from the Trail of Tears into Oklahoma because you got Choctaw, Chickasaw, and Cherokee literally all mixed together in those reservations. Well, uh, the first thing you'd want to do is go to our, our oral history of the uh, when the the United Couture Band was the, the first Cherokee entity that was recognized by the federal government in 1949. And, and the 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 federal government used, as far as they were concerned, it was the Katua, which uh, are the the religious uh, authorities of the Cherokee Nation, and have always have been, probably going clear back to when before we migrated across the Eastern Ocean. But um, uh, and the Katua. So where do you think? Where do you think the original Katua? You think there is right there, the tribe of Dan, or I mean, where in the eastern? Uh, concept of the Cherokee come because you can see a lot of the technology that the Maya had that was later used by the Moors as the Moors invaded uh, southern Europe. So much of what they knew came from Maya tradition. I mean, if you look at the Moors, the Moors occupied southern Europe 700 years, and you look at the Maya because the Maya invented the zero and then 800 years later, the Moors introduced the system of adding a zero. And without the Maya, uh, Bill Gates wouldn't have a job. Uh, well, um, so where do you we, think the original? Where do you think the Cherokee originated from? Well, uh, our people say that we migrated across the Eastern Ocean in the um, in 1930s. There was a an ethnologist. Um, that came down from uh, Harvard University and he uh, examined Cherokee burials. And he said that uh, all the other Indians in North America are, are moon-faced or round-faced. He says, but your, your people look more like people from uh, Northern Europe. Um, and um, now John Red Hat points out, uh, and now, now I've sat down with several rabbis and when I explained to them the Number one, we're not speaking our original language, and very little is of original language is, is really known. And 
1721, the main body of the Cherokees uh, migrated back to Mexico, and that's the reason why Sequoia died in his third attempt to try to locate them. But the people that migrated back to Mexico, that uh, they eventually wrote a letter in 1860 to Tahlequah saying, we are at Lake Chapala, and we are uh, moving southward. And you probably met some of them when you were down there. There's there's even supposed to be a city up in the King Mountains. Um, no um, question. I, I know that. But they, I mean, um, I, I know, you know, Will, I know an awful lot. I mean, probably a lot from, from the inspiration of Robert. But I know an awful lot about uh, uh, the native tribes of central Mexico, southern Mexico, and most of most of northern South America. I'm not oh, Amazonian, Amazonian, but you notice the people are of the same statue, and what it was about right. the Cherokee. The Cherokee had the elongated face, the high cheekbones, and the right. pronounced chin, which that's why I was asking that. Well, I, I sent you, um, uh, to your uh, Facebook account, I sent you a link, um, a couple of different things. Um, one of them was to the uh, Cherokee Nation of Mexico website where it shows um, uh, what are you know, bearded men wearing turbans that, that lived alongside the Maya. And um, um, also uh, Donald Panther Yates, uh, who's a DNA, a DNA consultant, has done a DNA study, study and, uh, and traced our, our, our mixed DNA back to 250 B.C. with the Maya. So um, now T- Dr. Tim Jones, who holds a double doctorate in archaeology ethnology, sa- says that the, uh, the, the, the Hopi and the Cherokee anciently were known as the twin fires and when either one of them opened their mouth in grand council which was every once in a while you know the tribes would gather uh, in from all over the the country sometimes to hot springs and other places but if it is if they open their mouth everybody else can shut up and listen but the katua claim that uh, if there is a um a, a spiritual message to be given to the indians in north america that uh, that it would come through them and there has uh, there has been a lot that has come through uh, our bloodline, and um, but we, the, the language that the Iroquois speak, uh, that that we were, but well, we migrated up from Mexico and we fought a, a war with the mine, uh, the mound builders, probably about a thousand years ago, and to settle that war, we um, agreed to intermarry with them, and uh, they were known to be um, uh, a, a taller. But you're talking you know, Ohio. You're talking Ohio, Pennsylvania, Mississippi, but, in that area. Because there was moved, a, last year they discovered, year before last, they discovered a Maya, a Maya settlement in Georgia. Georgia, right. Uh, yeah, yep. a Maya Richard, settlement in Georgia and close Richard to Martin. the, and did, did trading with the Cherokee and the, the, uh, uh, the not the Yamas, not the, Embassy, but the the beach tribe, right? And um, and there are Mayans, you know, as far north as Wisconsin. But but after we uh, after we after the mound builders, the war with the mound builders, we moved into the Ohio Valley, and that's where we encountered the Iroquois. And um, uh, to, uh, to settle that war, we agreed to stop speaking our original language and speak theirs. But they they obviously have a, a connection with with ancient Israel, and when I tell 
rabbis this. They're astounded. And, uh, well, so do the Algonquin. I mean, they do, that's pre- when you look at the French and Indian Wars and you look at the Iroquois and the, the relationship between the Algonquin, there was no question that the French recognized uh, after the, I mean, the, the French and the Cathars and the, all of that stuff after the, uh, the, uh, the, the Malta and the uh, Knights of Malta and then the Knights Templar, they recognized it, especially the Cathars recognized that when the French and Indian Wars came. They they could see uh, even symbols, signs, and some letters used by the, the Algonquin and the Iroquois that That's were right. from ancient uh, Israel. The, it's uh, pretty cool, the, man. You know how cool that is. stuff is. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, this one, a rabbi... Uh, Orthodox rabbi, he says, man, he says, you know, all synagogues have got a entertainment budget, and he said, you ought to take this on the road. You know, when I told him the Cherokee, the the, the, the Cherokee word for a speaker for everyone is Kalanu, and, that, and that's the position I hold with the Cherokee Nation of Mexico. Now, the word Kalanu in Hebrew means all of us, and in Cherokee it means the speaker of all of us. Now, the word our people in um, Hebrew is Ami, and uh, in uh, Iroquois it's Ani. And interestingly, see, interestingly enough, uh, Abraham's third wife's name was Keturah. And in the original Cherokee uh, dialect that, that's uh, um, known as the Eastern or Southern dialect, that was centered in, in South Carolina, they had the R sound. And I was laughed at uh, to derision for several years, and now the, the Eastern band is is allowed, hey, you know, we did have a liquid R, in the, and, well, it wasn't just that. We had the M and the R, and it was the M and R speakers that um, um, the remnants of the old chants from the old uh, religion that are that are known only to our priests, like uh, Dr. Rogers and maybe five or six other people left. Um, but so the word Ketua in the old dialect would have been Ketura, so we're the people of Keturah, and uh, Abraham sent away Keturah and the, her two sons and blessed them to, uh, to know all about uh, herbalism and shamanism. That's, that's a matter of, so, you know, when I, I tell rabbis that, they go, oh, my gosh, you know, it's obviously a connection. So, yeah, so they're, a lot smarter. they're a lot smarter than they let on, and, you know, they've become, because of the Karzana, the Karzana, the... You know, yep. most people who are who call themselves Jews now are Northern Europeans. That's it's right. not the original tribes. It's not the what were the original Hebrews who migrated from Egypt and who were there uh, three thousand years ago. These are mostly after the Hittites. You know, the Hittites and then the Mughals and then what was called the Kazazians who came and conquered that that region that most of the the Ottoman Empire literally melted into the control of it. They're mostly Northern Europeans. That's why I was looking at the connection of what inspired you to bring this nature and this part of you into a radio show. I don't like the idea that you don't make any money doing it, but other than that, I'm really proud that you're doing it, and I appreciate you guys having me on this show. Oh, yeah, well, we likewise. Um well, I you know I, I guess well, honor. I, you know 
going back to his thing about you know in the east, what isn't there? I think you've looked at it a little bit. I don't know. I haven't looked into it too much, but isn't there some connection between uh, the cranial structure and, and maybe other physiology with the right. Cherokee and the Phoenicians? Well, the the dolicephalic uh, long-headed skull, like the Jews have, is what um, um, uh, if 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 you um, Google the terms Cherokee X Files, um, uh, you'll find a page I put up years ago that uh, talks about some of the anomalies. One of which, uh, back in 2001, uh, I got to talking with a a fellow named Govinda Sanyal, who was a uh, he was a Nottaway descendant, but his 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 father was a Brahmin from India, and, and he he married. He was a school psychologist in Staten Island, and he married the state dancer of India. And when he went back to India to get married, um, his his father whispered the name of his clan in his ear, and he was absolutely shocked because it was the exact same word that had been told to him by a Chickasaw, and the Chickasaw say that they migrated across the Eastern Ocean, landed in Mexico, and migrated up the the uh, uh, the Gulf Coast to where they are now in Mississippi. But another odd thing was uh, the word for um, the Cherokee word for Kentucky, Gondugi. Uh, he said Gondugi is the name of the mountain that the Ganges River flows out of. And um, wow. uh, doc, Dr. Yates, oh yeah, it, it, that's that's not all. I'll send you a link to that page. And uh, yeah, I call are, it, is this Daryl? Are you talking about Daryl Yates? Um, uh, Donald Panther Yates. And he's D- DNA consultants, and um, he was a, um, a professor, I believe, in South Carolina. Yeah, he was at UNC. UNC. Yeah, and, that's uh, that's Daryl. Daryl Yates. And then he uh, he moved out to um, I believe Arizona, where he's uh, he's really shaking things up in the DNA uh, sphere of, of influence. But um, you can't do anything with those Carolinians, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's right. That's turn them, turn those hillbillies loose on the world. My goodness. That's right. That's right. And um, you know, Terry Miller, he's the he keeps the sacred fire that uh, that was moved from the reservation and or, or the Katua area in Oklahoma to North Carolina some years ago. And uh, you know, all all his people. Of course, you know, it's well known that that when Spanish or or when um, Pirates were were sailing out of Cartagena, and there were Jews among them. And it's, it's well known that they were coming and doing mining in the Carolinas. And when, um, of course, the, the Cherokee name for uh, the the priests call him Yohiwa, uh, the name we told uh, the English back in the 1700s was Yohe. But um, when when people say, "Oh, well, the Cherokee," they 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 just heard some Jews mention the name of God. Well. By the time in the 1400s, when those Jews came up, they were miners. They had completely forgotten the second permutation of the name of God, which is Yohiwa. And so, you know, we had it from the beginning. And the fact that we call ourselves keepers of the fire, if you go into the first Maccabees story, you know, you read about the, the keepers of the fire from the, the, the Holy Temple. Uh, they packed up and left Jerusalem. And, um,. They're known as the sons of Zadok, and uh, in the last days, the sons of Zadok uh, are to settle all arguments. So, you know, that's who we are. We're keepers of the fire, and we're just doing what we no, do. No, I'm just, I'm, I, well, I'm just proud. I, 
it's like you said that you let the divine guide you and I mean and I'm I just always appreciate you know I have a deep appreciation for people who create pathways for understanding since basically 95% of everything I always say if you really want to really mess something up bring some white people there and leave them about a week and if you want to really get it really screwed up just bring some white people there and we have to get back to the natural nature of what's really true as opposed to what the the stories that have been laid upon us you yep. know and we have to find ways and I was just complimenting you and helping to find these ways back so that people can begin to truly integrate with the transitional nature of what the new cycle. I always like the Maya because they count down. You know, most most calendars go into the future. But you know what's so funny is most people never stop to realize that the, the Chinese calendar, the Hebrew calendar, the Mayan calendar, the Olmec calendar, the Aztec calendar, all these calendars came into existence between 3104 BCE and 3114 BCE. Every calendar in the world that's recognized all happened within 10 years of each other. And how in the world can you have the Maya have the same Chinese as the Hebrew dates if there was not a single source of this and there was not a place where this knowledge was held so that within 10 years, every major civilization came into existence with a calendar. Look at the Chinese calendar. Look at the Hebrew calendar. And the Maya were the greatest, most articulate understander of the cyclic nature of this dimension of the dream world. You know, the, the oldest, I think it's the, uh, the oldest known oral language are the in Australia. I mean the Aborigines have the have a million years of an oral history. And then other than that, most oral histories are no more than twenty thousand years old. That's right. And the, and they're they've found uh, Abo DNA now down in Durantierra del Fuego and when you know the Bible says uh, originally all the landmass was together and and that's exactly where, um, uh, in the scheme of things, Australia would have been connected to was down there. So, and then the uh, the woman's DNA. So you think that South, Australia would have been connected to South America? That's that's what people are. Or to are Asia? Who knows? Oh, when you look yeah, I at think it would have to be Asia. I think that would have to be India. I mean, when you, I, I was just thinking globally how when it was all one landmass. You'd have to look at that Gondwana land theory, and uh, but the, the, somehow um, maybe it was a migration. They um, uh, they've connected DNA and extreme southern South America with some mummies down there. So, don't know. I had a, I just it was something I heard. I haven't followed up on it. And, but um, and then you know we're, we're prob- probably all descendant of of theirs. You know the 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 woman um, uh, was DNA they found in a, in, in a cave in Israel. Uh, that migrated up from uh, from Africa. They, uh, I think they call it the Seven Daughters of Eve. Uh, that DNA. Uh, I mean, everybody's descended from from her. Yeah, so, but that uh, whole Eve story. When you go to look at uh, Leaky and that whole Eve story, I mean, all of that stuff comes from two bones. I mean, you know, right? all the all the anthropological aspects of what what people call. The, 
everything would not fit. You couldn't fill up the top drawer of a regular chest of drawers with everything that that modern day white people say where we came from. Yeah, I mean, right. I have a I have a great strength and a belief in that they just found in in Africa near Zimbabwe, near where Zimbabwe or Rhodesia, just north, they found a two hundred thousand year old settlement, and uh, this this. This almost forces us go to go back and look, and they were gold miners. It almost forces us to go back to look at the original Zechariah Sitchin stories that's right. That's right. Of, of you know of how the earth came. I was a very very close friend of of Zechariah's. I mean, we we almost went to jail. We were we were crossing from Syria into Lebanon during the war, and uh, one of the guys with us did not forge his passport as well as I had forged that mine in Zacharias. So, uh, but he was an Egyptian, so he got away with it, and Zachariah and, and I had to sit like six hours. We were going to Baalbek, and so we just became really close friends. Yeah, and, he yeah. has a, and he says a lot of the same things. I mean, Zacharias, he kind of stuck to the Nuburu, uh, Sumerian translations, but he says a lot of the same things that you're saying, Will. Well, I I just repeat what other people say. I'm not a, I I don't I don't I'm kind of Dr. Rogers and I are the same way. We kind of just let things come to us and we we um, connect dots rather than um, I'm I'm not a scholar. Uh, I just hear things and and. Um, uh, I'll either connect dots or make juxtapositions. Kind of like I was watching a, a been watching reruns of uh, X Files here lately, and um, uh, in one report, you know, Scully said that uh, what, what she thought the most intelligent people were the ones that that make connections or or make arguments. And you know, when I was a kid, my dad told me that uh, he said you you ought to go into uh, to litigation. You you can make a saint swear. <laughs> Yeah, but it's and my parents said the same thing. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's great. It's great though. So I have a. I mean, I've in, I've enjoyed this time with you. I've appreciated it. I'd like to come back sometime, and I'm just sure. really proud though, uh, Will and Mark, and what you guys are doing. I'll go and look on my Facebook and see the stuff you sent me. And, and I'm not like I'm not like really a scholar, but you know, I can afford to. If something interests me, I can afford to buy a ticket. And the thing that's gotten me the most was when I saw uh, Teotihuacan, I have now seen every known pyramid on every continent on the earth. I mean, everywhere. People don't understand they're in China. You know, our pyramids, I'm going to, I think it's in late September, I'm going to uh, Tempe, and I don't know how close I can get to the uh, Syrian-Turkish border, but I'm still going. I don't know if that's smart, being an American, but I'm going. And oh, the Kurds thing, will go see the Kurds. They'll take care of you. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm going to try to stay out of that, but I want to see Tempe, and then then I'm going to Romania. They found they found what they now believe to be one of the sacred places, one of the the, the chambers of knowledge, much like they talk about in Egypt. And they've—I uh, was there just last year because I've been now looking for giants, 
and I see this place that they have. I went there and I had a government lawyer take us there, and you could see you have you have uh, you have Kellogg there, you have uh, the Carlisle Group there. All the people who have absolutely no business there are there, and there are uh, American soldiers guarding this particular place called the Sphinx of of uh, Romania. Well, and yeah. So, let me before before you go. Uh, let me point out that uh, the documentary I saw when uh, um, when uh, you know sh- showing the the ruins of. Uh, of Babylon, I was trying to figure out why a 300-pound guy, the guy was almost as big as I am, wearing BDUs, and they were sanitized. He's standing there in a camera shot in, in front of of this thing. I'm going, holy moly. And, uh, uh, well, uh, draw your own conclusions. But, uh, by the way, um, when, when Wolf died, uh, I caretake all of his websites, and uh, including all the pictures of the red hair giants and uh, my friend Robert Three Eagles led him to those places and that's how they got those photographs and uh, Robert's a guy you ought to contact because uh, um, send me he, a link he, I mean yeah he's found he, ha- he he built his own nuclear resonance magnetometer and he says every single burial has a and he showed me one it's a metallic ball one pyramid in, inch in diameter and um uh, that's how he finds the burials, and he's found over 200 of them. Well, and, I mean, uh, I went with I went with Robert in Utah. I mean, we went to see, and we cut a piece of uh, cloth. We mm-hmm. cut a piece of cloth, and we cut a sample of the hair, and we took it to UCLA, and they said that the coat was made from a long-haired camel that probably went extinct somewhere wow. around 13,000 years ago, and that the strand of hair... They could not match. Uh, they could not match the DNA as full human DNA. You know, yeah. and this guy had to be eleven feet tall. And what was amazing to me was the spirals. And I am the kind of person that doesn't desecrate a grave. I think that that's wrong. I mean, I just think it's wrong. Well, and uh, of, uh, look, I know you you've got to run, but but speaking of spirals, I want to invite you to. Um, uh, it, the uh, Honoring the Ancestors of Ancient America conference, and anybody else with an earshot, it's in Nauvoo, Illinois, um, um, April uh, or August uh, 11th through the 13th, and then the elders will continue to meet for a week afterwards. But we are going to um, do the first real original ghost dance, just as Jesus Christ uh, or the Messiah or some other white-bearded uh, well, he wasn't quite white. He wasn't dark. Volkan said he was kind of in between. And uh, well, Montezuma uh, thought he was white. Right. They thought he had red hair. hair. And uh, but it, the, in, 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 it, Joseph Smith said that he he was asking the Lord, "And when am I going to see you again?" And he was more or less told, "Shut up!" But if you live to be eighty-five years old, you'll see me again. And it was five days after Joseph Smith's eighty-fifth birthday. Of course, he died in forty years earlier. Uh, the massacre at Wounded Knee happened because uh, some Indians decided that they were going to um, change the message of the original ghost dance. But um, and the, five days after Joseph Smith's 81st birthday, the massacre happened. But the original dance uh, was documented by Tom Laughlin in 1975, and we're going to, to 
may probably the first real dance been talked about for a long time, but the songs were lost. But now we've got the songs. They were transcribed by the grandfather of uh, my friend Joseph uh, or um, um, uh, James Flaming Eagle Mooney. His his uh, great grandfather James Mooney was an ethnologist for Congress, and so well, we've got we'll we've got send, to, we're, we'll we're send that it. to me. Send I will. that to me and because we'll, I, we'll I want to know we'll, the dates. We'll we'll continue and, the conversation. And anybody who's listening, I'm at Danian and Catherine dot com. It's D A N N I O N. K-A-T-H-R-Y-N, if anyone's interested in, and then the Twilight Brigade, which is my our foundation. And thank, thank you, Will, and thank you, Mark, both of you very, very much for having me on this show. You bet. You bet. I'd be blessed, uh, my brothers. We'll be in touch. Hey, thanks a lot. All right, bye. <laughs> Good night now.